Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land It's time to spread some paleo jam Hello, welcome to Paleo Jam. I'm your host, Michael Mills. And in today's episode, I am hoping that we get to speak about my favourite Australian dinosaur. What is that dinosaur? We'll come to that in a minute. Um, my guest today is Jake Kotevsky, um, PhD candidate at Monash University. Um, interestingly, his uh, Twitter his Twitter handle <laughs> is um, DinomanJake. And uh, the description says, the undisputed dinosaur man, I study theropods and theropod accessories. Before we go into any great detail about talking about sciencey things, could you explain yourself? <laughs> explain myself. All my friends know me as the dinosaur man. I'm the guy who I didn't grow up. I chose dinosaurs as my personality trait at age four. And that's kind of just stuck around. The accessories bit, I don't know if you've ever watched the show King of the Hill, but um, the main character, Hank Hill, sells propane and propane accessories. So I study theropods and theropods (laughs) accessories. It's quite simple then, isn't it? But it's interesting, that whole dinosaur man thing. So when I'm, I've got my Prof Flint hat on and I'll go to a school or I'll do something. Sometimes I'll rock up at a school and they're like, oh, you're the dinosaur man. Mm-hmm. So you know there's more to it than that oh no 100 percent. <laughs> several bits of influence i mean introducing myself as a dinosaur man uh, i'm in the school of biology i'm the only one working on dinosaurs i'm one of a very small handful of paleontologists most people are geneticists genomicists so they know me as the dino guy dino man um jurassic park 3 when alan introduces himself or gets introduced as the dinosaur man there's little bits of influence that i'm like i'm gonna steal that yeah, and I guess so. You you went from you went from the dinosaur kid to the, the, the dinosaur man. Yeah, definitely. I I took a bit of a round trip. Um, so I initially did an undergrad in genetics at La Trobe Uni. Um, heart wasn't in it. I mean, I finished the bachelor, and that was kind of it. I almost fell into the hospitality trap, and then I went back, found paleontology, and now here we are, four or five years later, doing a PhD. <laughs> yeah. So as you were doing the genetics thing, did was 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 the dinosaur kid like? tapping at your leg and saying oi there's something yeah. here no 100 percent. like i'm here as most people my generation are because of jurassic park um what are the two sciences in jurassic park paleontology genetics when i found that there wasn't much job availability and it was quite difficult to get into paleontology i thought about oh well you know genetics i'm broadly interested because you know that's how they got the dinosaurs um maybe i can make something out of that but it just it wasn't for me i mean particularly things like DNA and such. And as a paleontologist, I'm very, I'm a visual learner and I I observe things visually, especially fossils and how they're shaped and the difference between them. So things like trying to envision DNA strands and such just didn't didn't work for me. And, you know, back of your mind, it's always dinosaurs, 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 always keeping up to date with what's going on with dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So speaking of dinosaurs, so and and as I said at the outset, you're a PhD candidate, um, and you've recently published the first chapter of the effectively yeah. of of that PhD in Cretaceous research, yeah. and it's about a discovery or a piece of a skull fragment found 
on uh, Victorian Beach around about 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's been identified as... Um, as a Megaraptor. Um, so for those familiar, Megaraptorids are probably what we know as the dominant apex predators of Cretaceous Australia. They're also well known from South America. They're medium to large bodied later in the Cretaceous theropods, the meat-eating dinosaurs, known for really big hands, really big claws. Um, record is incredibly patchy. We've got several genera across both Australia and Argentina mainly, and they're all less than 15% complete. Um, fun, the best part is, though, that the stuff in Victoria, the Upper Strasetsky group, which is around about 120 million years ago, they're the oldest Megaraptor fossils in the world. So they're kind of like, they're a great spot for understanding their early evolution. Now, this fossil that you just talked about that we published on, it's the oldest frontal in the world. So frontal is part of the brain case, overlies the brain. You can see actually where it articulates with other bones and where it's overlying the brain. Um, there's only four now Megaraptorid ones in the world, and ours is the oldest by 30 million years. Um, and that puts it in a good place to be the origin story of this group, doesn't it? That's what I mean. So, I mean, of course, there's a bit of you know taphonomy and fossil record and what rock is actually available. Yeah, and we only find what we like, find, but yeah, correct. But it looks like the oldest stuff at the moment is in Victoria, Australia, and that's you know. It's a great spot. There's always, there's been ideas that dinosaur groups have originated in Australia before, but we're getting really, really good evidence for at least the Megaraptorids. And it's been put forth by um, Matt Lamana from Carnegie Museum in the US and Phil Bell from UNE here in Australia. They've both proposed in separate papers. Yeah, there's probably an Australian origin of Megaraptorids. And now we're you know continuing to find the geologically oldest ones. It's really, really exciting. So you, you talked a little bit about the, the the their features and and I just want to kind of just explore that a little bit more. What's what's different? Because because you, you you often you know you know that that body shape that is the tyrannosaur that is the velociraptor that is my favorite Australian dinosaur Australovenator. In fact, my favorite dinosaur. A very good choice. <laughs> a very good choice. Thank you very much. Um. So so. You know, there's a similarity of shape in the same way that there's a similarity of shape with with long necks. It's all they got the long neck and the elephant like legs and stuff. So, so what is it that distinguishes the megaraptorids? It, it's it's the claws because they're it's, the claws. It's, it's the claws and the skull. Um, so I mean, the skull fragments are really really rare, like I said. But in our paper, we actually discuss a bit of least at least the snout morphology. Um, so there's two nasal bones, the snout bones, in a juvenile megaraptor, and the way that it looks like it articulates with the frontal, the way that our one is shaped as well, it seems like they evolve conditions in their, their upper skull that allow for a more elongate snout and relatively thin. These guys are also known for pretty, you know, relatively small teeth for their size. So you think of the big ones like T-Rex or look at other groups like the Carcharodontosaurus, something like Giganotosaurus, which was in Jurassic World, the, the latest one or a Bellasaur, something like Carnotaurus. These are all groups of animals that got relatively big, really, really big for a theropod. I mean, some of the biggest ones known. And they've got this kind of large, robust head, skull, and those reduced forelimbs. You know, T-Rex is famous for its little arm-wavy, tiny hands. Megaraptorids, we now know as of last year, got quite big at the end of the Cretaceous. There's one from, forget the formation, but they called it Mate Macrothorax, which pretty much means large-chested shadow of death. Which, I mean, 
What a glorious name. Oh, it's great. Mape was like some kind of ghost or demon or something from that region in their folklore. Yeah. And Thorax, of course, big chest. That's the big chested demon. Um, yeah, that thing they think is pushing nine, 10 meters, but it's retaining those megaraptorid traits of the long arms, but a relatively small skull. So they're doing something opposite to the rest of the big theropods. Um, and, you know, from what we can tell, those arms are kind of their diagnostic trait they're just big hands big claws and we just don't know enough about them to tell yeah it's likely a predatory adaption but exactly how or what or why is still a mystery yeah so i'm interested in that because because the the with australia one of the obvious things and i mean i've been to winton and i've been in that room where it where it is and it's like this is this is these are big claws yeah um, the longer snout what the, the, the evolution of the, the, you're saying the snout was was sort of showing tendency to elongate and get get a yep. bit longer. What might be the function of that? Has that been looked at? That's the thing. That's really interesting. So we know that they have long snouts pretty much off juvenile Megaraptor. Um, it's a paper from 2014. Whether or not that's representative of adult versions or the entire group, it's hard to say but at least in the evolution of their frontals and from what we can see, the, the 30 million year transition from our one here in Vic all the way to the mid uh, late Cretaceous Argentinian ones, they seem to adapt, evolve things that adapt for um, the nasal to elongate. We need more material to actually you know, continue supporting this, but it's hard to say what the adaption would be. Um, I mean, if they're anything like, the dromaeosaurs like Deinonychus velociraptor or such, where they've got that killing mechanism on their limbs, you know, it's likely not a hunting adaption, but, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's it's kind of like we're, we're on the forefront of megaraptorids. We've only known about them for 25 years. Because as a group, they've kind of not been a group and been a group and wobbled around and been put in different places. They're, yeah. They're all over the shop. They were like the nomads of the theropod. They world. are. They are. They, they're kind of they're an enigma in the group. And you know, we Megaraptor itself, I think, was ninety eight. Um, and then we found a few more since then. Australovenator was two thousand nine. Um, and you know, it's the most complete theropod in the country, which is yeah. our record's not as great as some other places, but it's still really cool. It's a great specimen. Um, but they've jumped all over. They've been, you know, placed as carcarodontosaurs. They've been placed as tyrannosaurs. They're placed outside tyrannosaurs sometimes. We have them inside tyrannosaurs as tyrannosauroids. It's kind of the big overarching group next to tyrannosaurids, which is the one that gets, you know, the big famous ones like T-Rex and such. So, I mean, we've seen there's several instances of that elongate snout in tyrannosauroids. Um, there are some tyrannosaurids such as Aliaramus that get an elongate snout relative to the rest of the group. It's happened before in that group. We just don't know what the pressure is on megaraptorids. It was hypothesized that in something like Aliaramus, maybe it was targeting smaller prey. Whereas, you know, in megaraptorids, they've got the adaption of the forelimb. That's, you know, the hand is quite large. They've got the most musculature in their forearms. There was a paper earlier this year. Just how or what they're doing is still a mystery. I mean, it's it's obvious they're hunting. But just how they're using it is so. so yeah, strange. they're not eating. They're not eating cabbages, are they? No, no. It's. Uh, I, I heard someone coin it the hug of death. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this twenty-year-old. Well, obviously, it's a lot older than that. But but this object, this this partial skull, 
really interested to, to the, that thing of of I've got a I've got a megalodon tooth, and I look at that, and it's clearly okay. It's clearly a shark tooth. Yep. Even if I hadn't seen a megalodon tooth before, I've seen great white shark teeth. It's clearly it's similar. It's just a, when you've got a, just a piece of a skull fragment. Um, what are the techniques that you use? How do you, and I guess part of it is that, you know, with the megalodon example, it's like, well, I know what megalodon, I know what shark's teeth or some shark's teeth look like. So, you know, you know, I suppose what, what skull fragments of, or skulls of megaraptors look like. What, what's the process of, of identification? Because it is when you, when yeah. you, you talked about the, the, the 15% of, of them is the most that we've got of one. Yeah. Yeah, it, look, it's for me, I do it as a process of elimination. Um, first things first, figure out if it's a theropod. If you've got a theropod, great. Then you start looking through theropods and comparing. Like, okay, we're in Australia. We're former Gondwana. This is the late Cretaceous. What do we know is in Gondwana broadly? Megaraptors, Carcharodonosaurs, Abelosaurs. Then start looking through. Abelosaurs are characteristic, particularly on this element, the frontal. They've got this intense ornamentation. I don't see an ornamentation, cut them out. Um, Carcharodonosaurs are quite wide and heavy set in their frontal. This one's relatively thin and gracile, cut them out. And you just keep kind of working through what you know and what you have until you get to a point where you're like, this is the likely thing. We're going to compare it to animals in this group. And so then you go look at those animals and you look for the features that are similar. One we've got an example of is um, there's kind of a suture line between the frontal and we've got a little bit of the parietal, which is the bone that fuses behind it in the skull and the way that the suture line runs is similarly seen in some of the megaraptorids and you know they're overarching group like tyrannosauroids so we know that okay we're in the right place for seeing those similar characters of the skull um and you just you just work your way down until you find your most likely candidate and that was the issue with this one is that it's 30 million years older than any other megaraptorid skull element in the world it's the only upper skull fragment in the entire country. Australovenator's got its dentaries, the lower jaw. So we've got nothing from the upper skull to compare to. Um, so we're really, we're looking outside the country in the similar groups. Until we find more, that's that's what we do. Yep. So so I'm guessing, and 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 I've been on paleo digs where you where there's a moment where people are looking at a thing that's been kind of dug out and they're like, oh. I'm not quite sure what this is, which is a yep. glorious moment. Yeah, because it's a it's that moment. It's super exciting of discovery and stuff. But after that, then there's those other moments of of when you suddenly realise what it is. Yep. Like what for you going through the you know the, the 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 dinosaur kid that's become the dinosaur man. What what are some of those moments for you where you've gone? Oh my god, this is awesome. Or are there too many to pick from? There's a lot. I mean, I think the first one for me was uh, when I first inquired about doing my second bachelor degree, I reached out to Jeff Stilwell, who was based at Monash in Earth Sciences. And I, you know, I asked, can I do another undergrad, which eventuates into honours. He's like, yeah, come visit my lab. I'll show you around. And he brought me to his office and he hands me a round rock. I'm like, cool, what's this? He's like, that's a dinosaur egg from China. I'm like, oh shit i didn't know people just hand you fossils um that was that was a huge thing for me because i i mean my experience then was melbourne museum and most of the stuff on display are replicas 
of things internationally. We have our little Victorian specimens there, but you know, when you're a young kid, you want to see the you want to see the big skeleton. Um, yeah. So just holding something was like this is really really cool. And then so for this one, um, probably the next one is actually this element. This was given to me by Eric Fitzgerald. He's the curator of paleontology at Melbourne Museum. And just after I'd started my PhD last year, probably three months in, he came to me with a photo. He's like, hey, we have this. It's a frontal with a fused parietal. We think it's theropod. Figure figure it out. Um, and I That's remember it, project, my, isn't it? it's it was like, great. A thing. So I'm supervised by... I'm supervised by Steve Porapat. He's now at Curtin University. Yep. And I remember saying to Steve, this is really, really cool. Steve's like, great. That's a, that's an awesome project. That's a great start. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. It should be re done relatively quick. It's one bone. How long can it take? And then, you know. Did he start laughing? <laughs> he, he just said, I'll hold you to that. Um, and that was May or June of 2022. And, of course, the paper published November 2023. So it just gives you... It's a good glimpse into how paleontology works. And, you know, this was my kind of real first foray into anatomical descriptions. We also ran some phylogenies and it was a lot of learning and a lot of practice, but still a really cool specimen. That is, you know, to hold the oldest example of a megaraptorid skull bone in the world, the only upper skull bone from a theropod in the entire country, to know that that is put to my name. It's like, that's that's really awesome. That's really, really cool. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? And and to to think back to the dinosaur kid, what he would have thought of holding oh, something. 100%. It would have blown his mind. Although the di dinosaur kids tend to be <laughs> funny because he would have probably taken it in his stride as well. He would have just gone, oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, uh, of course. Yes, a dinosaur fossil. Well done. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went from... Um, my grandparents used to watch me when I was a kid and they have a, a vegetable garden and between their planting seasons, my grandfather would hide chicken bones in the garden for me to dig up and find. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bird. It's a bird. Birds are dinosaurs, so hello. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> we stuck to theropods. That's right. He's he stuck within the group. Um, so speaking of theropods, what, what was it about them as a group? Um, but why? That made you go that that it's the bitey clory killing thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's we go back to Jurassic Park. I mean, I watched that for the first time when I was three. Um, and just the T-Rex when it bursts out, big roar, attacks the cars. I I, I saw that, I'm like, that is incredible. And you you think, at least for the really, really big ones, we have no modern analog. There is nothing like a tyrannosaur running around nowadays things like triceratops i find impressive still but you can kind of think they're like an overgrown rhino or an elephant or something um the sauropods are really cool too because you know no modern analog but just the theropods this big predatory animal top of the top of the game like putting what mammal predators are to shame is just phenomenal i, I absolutely loved them i was just obsessed ever since and so when I was given an opportunity, any opportunity to work with theropods, I leapt at it. I thought this is this is really, really great. We have, and particularly in Victoria, we have such an extensive record that hasn't really been looked at. They're all isolated fragmentary bones, but there's a lot. Um, so, I mean, we've got so much to tell in the story. Aussie paleo is relatively young compared to the rest of the world when it comes to dinosaurs, at least. 
Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I remember chatting with Scott Hopnell years ago about um, he was in Adelaide for they used to do this thing, Paleontology Week at the South Australian Museum. We were having, and he was talking. We were talking to a group of kids, and he was saying, "Look, you know, when I was when I was younger, if you wanted to be a paleontologist, you had to to leave because there wasn't much here. There wasn't. Yeah. Whereas now, it's like actually, we get people coming here to study our stuff." Um, 100%. And I think Winton's been really, really great for that. Just the stuff they're finding is phenomenal. And, I mean, for me, Steve's main thing was there's so much in Victoria. Yeah, it's not the best preserved. You don't get articulated bits. But he, I mean, he published, I think it was 2020, the first Elaphrasaur from the country. And it was almost the youngest, the, the latest persisting Elaphrasaur. Um, I think they got beat to the punch by one from Argentina or South America, somewhere mm-hmm. in that region by a week. But, you know, that was that was misidentified as a pterosaur initially and we found it to be a group of theropods that weren't previously known from Australia. Um, there's, there's so much to figure out and there's so much that should be here when you look at broader Gondwana. You know, you think things like Spinosaurs or Abelosaurids, Carcharodontosaurs, Unalagene, Dromaeosaurs, they're persistent, particularly throughout South America. And we've shown that our dinosaurs are really closely related to those. So why aren't they in Australia yet? Is it just that they're sitting there unidentified? Because it's, yeah, I, I, my my suspicion is very much that it's it's more a function of of the that we haven't found them yet. Not that they weren't here. Agreed. Um, and 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 a simple idea like that, you know, when when. Cooper Australotitan was announced, and they've got some others that are likely bigger than that well if you've got that if you've got a thing that big then there's probably going to be something that's going to have evolved to try and eat it so so well known throughout the rest of Gondwana you'd think they'd be here yeah so in terms of like the fossil evidence shows us that they were getting bigger towards the end Cretaceous I think you were saying yeah um how Big. Given, given that we only find the fossils that we find, the ones that are uncovered, mm-hmm. what's would would you have an Australovenator type thing with large arms, plausibly as big as a T. Rex? I mean, possibly. I don't think they get that big. Might is again, they're all very scrappy, fifteen percent or less. Might is estimated at nine to ten meters, and that's pretty much at the end of the Cretaceous. I mean, we're not pushing T-Rex yet, but that's still pretty big for a theropod. Pretty big. Uh, I mean, look, for our record in Australia, because we're mid-Cretaceous, I don't see a truly, truly macro-predatory megaraptorid in the country. Um, I mean, our evolution shows that they get bigger through time. Matt Lamana put forward a really good graphic in 2020 in his paper that showed that, you know, they're, they're confined to about five ish meters in australia i think lightning claw from new south wales pushes about six um and then they get seven plus in south america so yeah i I wouldn't rule it out that maybe they got bigger earlier um we just need evidence really it's it's just fossil yeah yeah because i think speculative paleo is fascinating because it's that thing of like well if you've got these australotitan things then something something plausibly is going to tr- evolve to exactly. possibly and be big enough. And, and whether it's a megaraptorid or something else, 
that we haven't found? You'd think there would be a macro predatory theropod on the continent, considering there's one from every other continent in the world. Mm. You, mm. You'd think we have something. I. It may just be the environment is not preserving them, but I pure speculation, I call it intuition. I have a hunch that there's one somewhere up in Winton or somewhere else. There's something big hiding somewhere. Yeah, maybe the corner of South Australia. <laughs> we've, got, we've got here in South Australia, we've got uh, Kakuru, which is a yep. little localised thing. Yeah. Um, but we were mostly under the water, so we get really cool plesiosaurs and ichthyosaurs and ammonites and all the other things. Um, yeah. And there's whole sheaths of the the rock the, the rock here that was smashed away by glaciers and stuff. Yeah. Um, we've got about five minutes to go. Cool. This is what I have time flies when you're having fun. So one of the things about about the site where this this um, partial skull was found, I was reading that um, you know it's slowly eroding away a couple of millimeters every year. Yep. So while it's not quite as dramatic as Lyme Regis, where Mary Anning found a whole lot of stuff because mm -hmm. the rocks simply the cliffs simply collapse. Yeah, this is much more gradual and typical of Australia. It's yeah. like you've got these secrets. Can you can you tell us them? Can you? That's it. They're, they're slowly coming. More and more is coming. I think um, we're still collecting. Dinosaur dreaming still operates. They're still digging the Bass Coast. Yeah, so um, people like Mike Cleland go out and and look for things. And it was him that found the Yeah, the... Mike found this specimen in 2007. And again, it's just something that sat there because there was nothing comparative. The the two main things are compared to Megaraptor, the juvenile was 2014, Raptor was 2016. You couldn't really compare it to anything as rigorously as you know we did, um, because they're just the material wasn't there. Um and and things keep being found. Mike and he's now trained up Melissa Laurie. They're both they're prospecting still, and they're finding incredible things. Um, Dinosaur Dreaming still going annually whenever they can. People are still digging the Victorian coast, and I, I feel like the secrets are are starting to reveal. Yeah. So, last bit. This is this this paper we've talked about, and 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 the mega outfit stuff is is all to do with your 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 phd um it's the first chapter of the phd so what's the general what what do you what do you want to be able to come out at the end of, other than being dr jake <laughs> yes um look we steve and i came to al evans who's now my other supervisor with our plan two-pronged approach first one is revision of anything theropod from victoria i'm going to try and hit as much as i can and figure out you know, like I said, the scrappy bones, they're isolated. I'm not going to be naming species off that. But if I can identify groups of theropods that we haven't seen before, that would be phenomenal. If we know to be looking for something in Winton because we've seen early ones in Victoria, that'd be great. The second prong is Megaraptorid evolution. So they're a really weird group. Um, Megaraptorids, that kind of restricted group only known from Gondwana, but their early forms, Megaraptorins, are only known from Asia, Thailand, and Japan. Now, this is, that's at a time where we're already pretty far apart geographically. They're not going to be swimming from Japan to Australia in the mid-Cretaceous. Um, bit far. <laughs> it's a bit far. And so either there's a ghost lineage going back somewhere into the Jurassic or earlier Cretaceous where they have been able to disperse globally, 
or what we consider Megaraptorans aren't actually related to Megaraptorids. Um, and so I'm planning on seeing the two specimens from Thailand, at least, plus anything in Australia, and trying to run a phylogenetic analysis and actually see, can we pinpoint where Megaraptorans and Megaraptorans actually sit in the theropod tree? They're still a mystery. I mean, at the moment, they're coming out as Tyrannosauroids, but they may not be. And that, I suppose that's part of the buzz and the fun, isn't it? That's, fun. that's it. I work at a species, I work in a group that has kind of wobbled around the place. And because they're so recently known. I mean, I'd, I'd love if I could ever work on a Tyrannosaur, but we've known about T-Rex since the early 1900s. It's a very, very well-studied animal, and so is its group. Megaraptorids are kind of like, it's a frontier in theropod research, and so it's it's super exciting to be in that. Yeah, and T-Rex is cool. It's, it's you know... Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's 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 uh, it's and it would it would smash Spinosaurus's face in. Um, <laughs> I'm on T T Rex, but um, but what I love about the stuff that we've talked about it this is this is about Australia's fossil heritage. Yeah, you know? and we, we we got to talk a little bit about Australovenator. Well, that's it. We we still have so much of a story to tell. We're still in our like I said in our dinosaur infancy, and things are being found, uh, like Austral Titan recently. So. Watch the space of Australian dinosaur paleontology. We're up and coming, and we've got a lot to to add to the story. On that note, we are just about to the theme music's about to start. It's just about to end. Thank you so much, Jake. I will put uh, links to the paper in the the comment section for the podcast. Uh, links to places like Dinosaur Dreaming, so people can get a better sense of all of that stuff. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really, it was really great to talk. I always love talking Mega Raptors. They're just so awesome. It's time to spread some paleo jam.